Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from the book of Genesis about Sarah and Hagar and how they both went wrong and how Hagar could look back over her life and see one mercy after another and say to God, Thou God seest me. Now, this message, as well as all messages from Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program, with the Old Testament teaching that Tom Cantor does, all of those messages, past, present, and future, are available for free listening and free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Go there, download, or listen to the messages for free from the past all the way to the present and even our future messages that we'll post there. You can also go alternatively to iTunes.com and find and search for the Friendship with God podcast, and you'll be able to download all the Friendship with God messages there or listen to them for free through iTunes.com. And we get so many compliments about Tom Cantor and his dynamic speaking and teaching different from any radio host that's out there and his ability to communicate the Old Testament in modern-day expression. So if you enjoy Tom Cantor's teaching and the Friendship with God radio program, we want to encourage you to support it, to stay on this station, on this city where you're listening. And to do so, you can go directly to friendshipwithgod.org to donate online, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also set up a monthly reoccurring donation to support this radio program. Or you can do it by calling us directly, and we can do that over the phone, a one-time gift, or, again, a monthly donation amount, 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, call us now or after the program, 1-800-247-3051. Now, here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching from the book of Genesis, from the life of Sarah and Hagar. Sarah was not described as 84, uh, Psalm 84, 12. Blessed is the man that trusts in thee. And so what we see here is this terrible disaster. Now, we've all been there. We've all been there. So before we jump on Sarah and say, how can you do such a thing? We've all done that. I remember back in 1982. That's a long time ago. Many of you didn't know that I was born then, before then, but I was. <laughs> but I remember in 1982 how at Scantabodies we had large orders at that time for human serum. And in order to make the large orders of human serum, we needed large amounts of human plasma. And where did the human plasma come from? Well, one of the places is the good old American Red Cross. And for a year, I worked really hard to get one-year contracts from American Red Cross to San Diego. I don't, you may don't know. There used to be an American Red Cross in San Diego. It wasn't all San Diego blood bank. Anyway, I worked really hard to get the one-year contract from the American Red Cross of San Diego and the American Red Cross of Chicago. And I remember when those Red Cross units told me that I was not accepted, that I did not get those contracts. And I was shocked. And it really hit me hard. And I felt like Sarah did. Behold, the Lord hath restrained me. And I didn't know it. But at that time, we were in the process of becoming deeply overextended. And it turned out that we didn't need all that plasma from the American Red Cross of San Diego and Chicago. It turned out that the plasma from the American Red Cross here and in Chicago was way more than we needed. And with the obligation to pay for those contracts month by month for that plasma we didn't need, it would have killed us. And so instead, I found plasma in smaller amounts for half the price. It was half the price that perfectly matched our need. Now, what happened? The Lord was a shield to me from those contracts. Those contracts were not a good thing for me then. So no good thing will he withhold from them that walk up uprightly. But the no good things he did withhold. Now, 
We've been studying the person of Hagar, and we all know that Hagar was, she was an Egyptian. She was a Gentile. She wasn't a Hebrew. And when we've looked at the life of Hagar, what we've seen in her life is one mercy after another. We followed Abraham's caravan, which was like the tabernacle. It was really like the tabernacle as it moved through the desert. And God had called Abraham and Ur of the Chaldees, and Abraham obeyed God. God was with Abraham as he moved in the desert from place to place, from Ur to Haran to Canaan to Egypt and back. And wherever Abraham's caravan went and he encountered people, those people encountered God. And because Abraham was an ambassador for God, just like we're ambassadors for God, where it says that in 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 20, to wit or to witness that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their sins unto them, committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. That's Abraham. Abraham was an ambassador for Jehovah Jesus as he traveled from people to people. And there's one very important truth that God said about Abraham. Very important. And please turn to that in Genesis 18. We're going to come to it, but we're going to look at it now because here God is speaking about Abraham and he's saying something about him that's very important and it's true. It was true then and it's true now in in our passage here in Genesis 16, 17. Here we are. And what this is, is in Genesis 18, 17 through 19, where the Lord speaking to Abraham says these things. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? So here we can see God. He's having a conversation amongst the Godhead. He's asking a question. We're discussing it. Shall I hide from Abraham the thing that I do? And then he says in verse 18, Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. And then he says in verse 19, For I know him. God said, I know Abraham. I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. So God says about Abraham, I know Abraham. I know him. What did God know about Abraham? He says that Abraham would command. That is the word that he used. It's a very strong word, command. It's it's sava in Hebrew, sava. And Savah is the same word that God used in Genesis 2, 16 through 17, in that passage we covered where it says, And the Lord commanded, Savah, the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Very strong word, Savah, commanded. So, in Genesis 2, 16 through 17, God commanded Adam, commanded Adam, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he gave him a warning. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now that was in Genesis 2, 16 through 17. Then, four verses later, after Genesis 2, 17, four verses later, after God had commanded Adam to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what did God do? He created Eve. So in Genesis 2, 21 through 22, we read, 
after God commanded Adam. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh. Instead, there a rib which he made, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and then he brought her unto the man. There's no record. There's no record of God commanding Eve directly. There's no record of God commanding or tzavah, Eve, to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good evil with the warning that in the day that she ate thereof, she would surely die. See, God commanded Savah, Adam, to not eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil with the warning, in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Then God expected Adam to command, or Savah, Eve, to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and to pass on God's warning to her in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God did not say about Adam what he said about Abraham. He didn't say that about Adam. God did not say about Adam, for I know him that he will command Sabbath, Eve after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment the Lord may bring upon Adam, that which he has spoken of him. See, but God did say that about Abraham. And it's very important when he said that in verse 19, Genesis 18, 19. For I know him that he will command, Sabbath, his children and his household after him. They'll keep the way of the Lord to do judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which you spoken of him. And Abraham did not just command, Sabbath, his children. But the verse says, Abraham also commanded, Sabbath, his household after him. That meant that Abraham made sure that all the folks in his caravan that were following Abraham to keep the way of the Lord. That meant that Abraham set his caravan in order to follow God. That's another meaning of the word tzavah, to order. God said in several places, put your house in order, you're going to die. That's the word tzavah also. That meant that all anyone had to do was to look at Abraham's life and how he ordered his family and his caravan, and they would see what it does it mean to keep the way of the Lord. What does it mean to lead a caravan spiritually? They would see Abraham leading his caravan to keep the way of the Lord by worshiping Jehovah Jesus. And when Abraham spoke of God, they would see a man who believed that Jehovah Jesus is the God of gods and Lord of lords, showing the truth of Deuteronomy 10.17, where it says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, mighty, terrible. They would see Abraham leading his caravan to keep the way of the Lord by when they saw him praying to Jehovah Jesus when they had needs, when he had needs. And they would understand the truth of Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, very present help in time of trouble. And Abraham had plenty of trouble. And so they would understand that they would see a life, a living life example of Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. They would see Abraham. They would see him leading his caravan to keep the way of the Lord by giving thanks to Jehovah Jesus. And they would understand the truth of Psalm 136 too. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. And when Abraham met that godly person, Melchizedek, and they all watched Abraham do what we've seen in Genesis 14:20, and he gave him tithes of all, When everyone in Abraham's caravan saw Abraham honor God by giving a tenth to Melchizedek, they all would say, yep, that's Abraham. 
that's my leader. Exactly what I expected of him. That's Abraham. And they would see Abraham leading his caravan to keep the way of the Lord by honoring Jehovah Jesus with a life that's holy and true and avoiding any appearance of evil. And especially everyone in the caravan, you can imagine, crowded around and watched as Abraham refused to take any wealth that originated with the king of Sodom in his wicked ways. And Abraham said in Genesis 14, 22, as we've seen already, 23, and he said to the king of Sodom, I lift up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, that I will not take anything as thine, lest thou should say, I've made Abraham rich. And everybody saw that? Abraham do that? Abraham to refuse anything to the king of Sodom? And they all said, yep, that's Abraham. That's our leader. That's exactly what I expected Abraham to do. And they would see Abraham leading his caravan and keeping the way of the Lord by sacrificing to Jehovah Jesus. And they would come to understand the truth, the kernel of truth in Leviticus 16.11, that the life of the flesh was given by God and it's in the blood. And God gave it upon the altar to make an atonement for the souls. It's the blood that makes an atonement for the souls. And when Abraham fell into sin, as they watched him do that too, they would see Abraham leading his caravan to keep the way of the Lord by confessing and forsaking and asking forgiveness from Jehovah Jesus as they saw Abraham run to his altar during those times. And every time they'd see him do that, they'd say, yep, that's Abraham. And everyone in Abraham's caravan would be led to Jehovah Jesus because of what God said about Abraham in this verse in Genesis 18, 19. I know him that he will command his children and his household after him that they shall keep the way of the Lord. So the question is, we looked at Adam, God couldn't say that about Adam. We look at Abraham, God said that about Abraham. And the question is, what does he say about us? When God looks at us, would he say the words of Genesis 18, 19? I know him, that he'll command Zavah, his household and his, his children and his household, that they'll keep after him, they'll keep the way of the Lord. And the point is, is that God did say this about Abraham, which means that wherever Abraham went, he was an ambassador for God. And Abraham showed to those who saw his caravan when what it looked like for a spiritual leader to command Savah, his children and his household after him, that they should keep the way of the Lord. And whoever came to be a part, whoever was so fortunate, so blessed by God to become a part of Abraham's caravan, came under Abraham's Savah, came under Abraham's command after him to keep the way of the Lord. And when Hagar became a part of Abraham's caravan, she came under this Abraham's command of Zavah after him to keep the way of the Lord. And it was a great mercy for Hagar. It was a great mercy for Hagar. Hagar met Jehovah Jesus under Abraham's command in Abraham's caravan. And because Hagar came into Abraham's caravan, Hagar could say, she could say the words of Ephesians 2, 12 to 14. She could say, at that time, I was without Jehovah Jesus. I was an alien from the commonwealth of Jehovah Jesus. I was a stranger from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now, in Jehovah Jesus, under Abraham's command, I, who was far off, have been made nigh by the future blood. Jehovah Jesus, he's my peace. She could say all those things. And Hagar could say that because she became a part 
of Abraham's caravan. It was, Hagar could say, it was the mercy of God when I became a part of Abraham's caravan. And when Hagar then had this terrible experience, which she did, that resulted in her being driven out of the caravan to a fountain all alone out there in the desert. No provision, no protection. But Hagar could say that it was so good to have God find me that she could say it was the mercy of God when I was driven out of this caravan to this lone fountain out in the desert because that's where God found me. And when Hagar was crying her heart out at that fountain there because she thought she's going to see her death, she's going to see the death of her unborn baby, and God then gave her the promise that her baby would not only be born, but he'd become a great people, many people. And Hagar could say that it was so good to have God's promise about the future of my baby that made me feel so good, that Hagar could say it was the mercy of God that my heart was broken for my baby. And as Hagar looked back over her life, Hagar could see one mercy after another. Hagar could say, when you look at my life, she's just talking to us today, Hagar would say, when you look at my life, don't say the mercy of God, say the mercies of God. She'd say, don't say the mercy of God. Say the mercy of God because that's what my life has been. One mercy after another. She would say the mercy of God has come to me like a flock. A great flock. She could say the mercy of God is coming to me like the waves on the beach. As soon as one comes in, here comes another one right after it. That's one right after another. That's the mercies of God to me. That's why when God spoke, of marrying Israel, who had been so sinful, so rebellious, so rejecting of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when he spoke of marrying her, when Israel had become a prostitute, spiritually speaking, and God told Hosea, go marry a prostitute. Boy, that's something. To show how God feels about Israel and in their unfaithfulness to him. And in the book of Hosea, when God speaks about marrying Israel, he says in Hosea 2.19, For I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. Mercies. So God would say, don't say mercy, Hosea, when you write that. Say mercies. And right along with Hagar, when Israel responds back to God, Israel says to God in Daniel 9.9, to the Lord our God belong mercies. Mercies, not mercy, mercies and forgivenesses. <laughs> they said that. <laughs> Though we have rebelled against him, Israel says, don't say mercy, say mercies. And when we look back at our days, and starting from the morning of our days, Jeremiah teaches us to, along with Hagar, say these words in Lamentations 3 22 through 23. It is of the Lord's mercies. Don't say mercy. It's so the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions, don't say compassion, say compassions, fail not. They, don't say it, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. See, it's looking at the mercies of God, the compassions of God that are new. And you look at all them and their abundance and you say, great is God's faithfulness. Jeremiah teaches us, don't say mercy of God. When you write my verses, say mercies of God. It's of the Lord's mercies. And when we see the Lord Jesus Christ returning to rescue Jerusalem, 
from all of the enemies that are going to come against him, all the people, we see him coming and he's saying in the beginning of the book of the rescue of Jerusalem, which is Zechariah, in Zechariah 1.16, he says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in, saith the Lord of hosts. So as God's coming to rescue Jerusalem, God says, don't say I'm returned with mercy, but say it, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. And Paul teaches us. He says, look, when you talk about God, call him, and he teaches us what to call him in 2 Corinthians 1-3, where he said, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And so Paul would say to us, don't call God the Father of mercy. Call him the Father of mercies. And the one who taught us the most to speak about the mercies of God is David, king of Israel. He's the one who taught us the most. With all these psalms in Psalm 6, 4, save me for thy mercy's sake in Psalm 25, 6. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they are, have been ever of old. Psalm 40, verse 11. Withhold not thy tender mercies, from me, Psalm 44, 26. Arise for our help and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. And this, the psalm where he comes back to God after the terrible sin of lusting after another man's life, killing him so that he can take her, Psalm 51. He says, what's his basis of Psalm 51, 1? Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy mercies, tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Psalm 69, 16. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Psalm 89, 1, the one we sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. With my mouth I'll make known his faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 103, verse 4, God says, he crowns you with tender mercies. 106, 7, he's speaking about Israel, and he said, they didn't understand, they remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked them at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Psalm 106, 45, he says, he remembered for them, for Israel, his covenant, and repented according to the multitude of his mercies. God did that. Psalm 119.41, let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. And then verse 77 of Psalm 119, let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live. And then Psalm 156, great, great, he says, are thy tender mercies, O Lord. Psalm 145.9, the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies over all his works. And Jacob, when he's begging God to save his life, in Genesis 32, he thought, I'm a goner for sure. As he's looking at Esau coming after him with 400 men to finish him off. He comes to God in Genesis 32.10 and he says, I'm not worthy of the least of all thy mercies. And when Paul begs us and he says to us, be reasonable, be reasonable and present your body as a living sacrifice to God. He says it this way in Romans 12.1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So Paul is saying to us, don't just consider the mercy of God, but consider all the mercies of God. And Hagar, along with Jacob, along with the people of Israel, along with King David, along with Paul, could sit down and make a long list of the mercies of God. And the challenge is, what about us? That's a good exercise to sit down with pen and paper and to write down the list of the mercies of God to us. And the greatest of all the mercies of God was that he spared us from the hell we deserved by his voluntary death, by the voluntary submission when God became a man, the Lord Jesus Christ, and died for our sins. No greater mercy than that. 
No mercy makes us a greater, what the hymn writer said, debtor, as he wrote, a debtor to mercy alone. Of covenant mercy I sing, nor fear with thy righteousness on my person and offering to bring the terrors of law and of God with me can have nothing to do. My Savior's obedience and blood hide all my transgressions from view. So now, as we look at Hagar here, and we see her, and she's come to this place, and we're back in Genesis 16, and we see her in Genesis 16, 13. She's absolutely amazed. She's looking at the mercies of God. She's amazed that God should take care of her. And she says in verse 13, she called the name of the Lord. She gives, calls him the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou, God, seest me. You see me? For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? She just can't believe it. She just can't believe it. She looks at her life. She sees how she's ruined her life through her stupid, foolish pride. And she sees the mercies of God. And one particular mercy just stands out to her right now. And it's the fact that God sees her and God heard her. And she's so shocked at this mercy of God to have taken notice of her that she gives God this name. She says, that's my name. The name I'm going to give to God is thou God seest me. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now, Tom Cantor has a great two-disc DVD production of the Passover, its personal relevance, and we are offering that as our resource of the month for you, the listener, to help support this Bible teaching radio program and Jewish evangelism outreach ministry. For a donation of $20 or more, we'll send you this powerful DVD teaching from Tom Cantor on the Passover that's just a few weeks away. It's a great gift for any Christian or unbeliever at Easter and Passover time, and a great gift to give to a lost Jewish person or someone that you know that's searching for the evidence of who Jesus Christ is from the Scriptures. This is out of Isaiah 53 and Exodus 12. It can be yours today for a donation of $20 or more. Call us now, 1-800-247-3051. 247-3051. Again, that's 1-800-247-3051. You can also go directly to friendshipwithgod.org. You can order it online. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org or 800-247-3051.